To him is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all the ages. Amen. Our sermon text for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from from heaven, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, uh, so they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by which authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes Go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Here ends the text. In the name of Christ, in whom our salvation rests securely, Dear fellow redeemed, imposter syndrome is a psychological condition that is loosely defined as doubting one's abilities and feeling like a fraud or phony regardless of what they achieve. Imposter syndrome can affect just about any one person in any given profession. I can remember my first days at in the seminary at ILC. Going through high school and college there, the seminary not only was always my goal to get into, but appeared to be the realm of the best of the best. The people who made it through the seminary truly earned it. But that first day sitting in class, I felt like I was an imposter sitting among other young men and seasoned teachers who were truly meant to be there. Did I really belong? Do I really have the talents or the achievements to be sitting in this room right now? I certainly felt this imposter syndrome. And it wasn't until months went by, first few class sermons under my belt, that those feelings finally started to drift away. 
when you started a new job or got promoted at your current one or even began a new chapter in your life, did it ever feel like you might be an imposter and you weren't really sure that you really deserved to be where you were at? To a certain extent, it almost seems natural to feel some sort of doubt. The uncertainty of a future, new responsibilities, and the general lack of knowledge of how to best accomplish your goal might have caused you to wonder if you were ready to be in the position that you were. And what about spiritually? Have you had times of imposter syndrome when it comes to your faith? that you aren't really sure if you are as much of a Christian as you should be. Happens more often than you might think. Satan has always been a pro at tempting God's people to doubt what they have in Christ. In our sermon text for today, Jesus uses a story of two sons to reveal to the Pharisees that they were truly imposters. They set themselves up as a cream of the crop when it comes to being people of God. But in reality, they had rejected the message of righteousness that John the Baptist had brought. Also in the story, we see a glimpse of God's cure for imposter syndrome that you and I might feel in our walk as Christians. And his cure is twofold. God reminds us that he has taken care of our salvation himself. And that he gives us his will in order for us to work out our faith. This account takes place shortly after Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. While Jesus is teaching in the temple, he is proclaiming the truth concerning the kingdom of God. And he is confronted by members of the Jewish high council, the high priests and scribes. They pose this question to him. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? And to what were they referring to? Well, most likely they were referring to Jesus' triumphant entry and his subsequent cleansing out of the temple that he did the day before. On its face, their question seemed well within their right to ask. They were the spiritual leaders of the people. And as such, they were to vet these supposed messiahs who were teaching the people. However, this was not the first time that they questioned by which authority Jesus was teaching. The first time Jesus cleansed the temple, the Jews asked him the same question. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And on that occasion, Jesus did give them a sign. In fact, throughout his ministry, Jesus gave them opportunity after opportunity to see that he was, in fact, the promised Messiah, true God and true man, the one sent to deliver them. Jesus performed miracles for all to see. 
the proof that he was who he said he was. But every time, it was not enough. The Pharisees refused to believe and acknowledge his authority. And Jesus knew that the same thing would happen here. They were not going to recognize his authority, even if he testified about it. And this is why Jesus poses a question regarding by whose authority John the Baptist preached. The people clearly knew that John was a prophet. And John himself testified that his work and his message was so intimately tied to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But here the Pharisees are caught between a rock and a hard place. If they were to say that John's authority was from heaven, well, why did you not believe him? But if they, was, if they say that it was from John's own will that he preached, then they face the wrath of the people for attempting to discredit a prophet of God. And they would be accused of blasphemy. In their eyes, there was no right answer. And that's exactly Jesus' point. He was calling them out by using the law in order to try and break them of their stubbornness. As hardened as they were in their unbelief, they were, in Jesus' story, the second son who feigned, I will go, but did not go into the vineyard to work. They were impostors who would not enter the kingdom of heaven because they rejected who Jesus was and what they were there to do, what he was there to do. Now you might wonder, what does this have to do with spiritual imposter syndrome? Well, the Pharisees were truly imposters because they refused to recognize the nature of Jesus' mission on this earth. You have the same evidence that the Pharisees had, and even more. You have the whole testimony of the scriptures laid out for you, describing in detail what Jesus has done for you. At the beginning of the service, we made confession of our sins. We stood together and we recognized that there is no hope for us to earn our salvation by our own accord. We have sinned in our thought, word, and action. We have lived the life worthy of an imposter because we have not lived up to what God expects of us as his dear children. We confess this is the reality of our sin and it condemns us. Rather, by the innocent blood of Jesus, who shed his life on the cross for your sake and mine, you receive the forgiveness of your sins. You receive life and salvation where you and I only deserve death and punishment. And that is what Satan wants you to doubt. When he tempts you with imposter syndrome, he wants you to ignore the absolution that God gives you in his word 
for your sins. Surely not me. Or surely not the greatness of my sins. That is his temptation. And it is an effective temptation because as we confess, we have not lived up to the standard of God's law. We have continued to fall into sin over and over again. And at times, it may seem like Satan is right. But that is ignoring the clear testimony of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved you, so that he gave his only Son, that you who believe in him have eternal life. You are the one Christ came to earth for to pay for your sins and mine. This is God's first and foremost cure for your imposter syndrome. Just as Jesus testified over and over again to the Pharisees that He is God. He is the promised Messiah. By His own authority, He lived and operated that He might become the very salvation for sinners like you and me. And the second cure for imposter syndrome is found in the parable Jesus told. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Being a Christian is not only confessing with your mouth what you believe, but it is also doing the will of your Heavenly Father. To be an imposter is to be like the Pharisees who are the second son. They profess with their mouth to do the will of God, but they miss the mark. They do not do what God desires because they lack faith. And you and I are like, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are like the first son. The Holy Spirit created the faith in your heart and mind that believes what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins that you and I committed. It was done for you. And it is that same faith that walks the path of righteousness that God has set before us. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 5, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a medical condition called muscular atrophy. Basically, if you are not strengthening your muscles, they are weakening. And the same is true with spiritual atrophy. If your faith is not being exercised, it is growing weaker. This is why God has given us his will that we should walk in it. He desires that we grow in our faith to strengthen our relationship with him and to be edified in doing the work of growing the kingdom of God. God has given each and every one of you a task. And he has given you the abilities to do that task. In the eyes of the world, it is a difficult one because you have to become an enemy of the world. But in the eyes of faith, it is a task worth rejoicing and praising God for. Because this task is to live as a child of God, redeemed from the bondage of sin and death, and to let your life be a living testimony of the love that the Savior has for you, for me, and for all mankind. Now, I pray that none of you have to endure spiritual imposter syndrome. But if you do, God has a cure for you. Your salvation rests solely upon the life, death, and resurrection of your Savior, Jesus Christ. He has accomplished everything needed in your stead. Your security as a Christian rests on His saving work, and there is nothing more needed to secure that. And God has also given you the opportunity to exercise and strengthen that faith in Him by giving you His will that we should walk in it. He has invited you to take the salvation that He has won for you and share that wonderful news of what He has done, that He has done the whole, same thing for the whole world. Imposters? No. Children of God forever? Absolutely. May God grant you His Holy Spirit that He may daily strengthen this faith that He has begun in you. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.